0: Welcome to the weekend. It's Philosophy Friday and got Brandon Adams with me today. Brandon, good to finally be speaking to you. Hey there. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's uh it's something we've been trying to organize for a while, haven't we? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been good. Uh
0: <laughs> I feel like I've been, I've been given reading assignments, you know, <laughs> in preparation. I feel like I've I prepared for this, you know. <laughs> I apologize. No, man, it's, it's so good. And half of the reading was just uh, reading through, through your uh, voluminous blog. Um, it's impressive. You know, That's just, there's just no other way to put it. Uh, how do you write so much? Do you only write, or
1: do you have a day job? <laughs> uh, I just find a lot of good quotes and then paste them in the in the blog, and it looks like I've written a lot, but it's yeah, really just other people talking. But you've still got to
0: write. I mean, you've still got to read, right? You've still got to read to get those quotes.
1: Yeah, yeah, you've yeah. Got- I've uh, yeah, yeah. I find find a way. Yeah. I want
0: to hear about that rhythm. I want to know how you fit it in. But hey, um, so tell me, tell me, uh, what do you do though? Like, what what is your day job? Are you a theologian?
1: Uh, I'm not. I uh, run a video production company. Um, So I I work from home, uh, travel once in a while to shoot some stuff, do a lot of editing from home. So yeah, um, got some some flexibility there. Cool. And did you uh,
0: have you been in that a long time? Or is that something before you became a Christian? Or um, have you recently got into that?
1: Uh, I've been in it for quite a while. Yeah, since since junior high. Wow. Um, Ended up going to going to college to study film and, hmm. and, uh, kind of de- was going down the, you know, the narrative filmmaking track, uh, making movies and whatnot, and, um, ended up getting sick and it didn't work out. So, uh, but, but thankfully I've been able to stay in kind of the corporate video world and, and, uh, keep a roof over our heads that way.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And, um, okay, cool. So you, um, you, have always been into that. We, we, have you always been a Christian or well, I should ask, have you come from a Christian background <laughs> or is uh, your family
1: Christian or how did that work? Yeah, I was, I was raised in a Christian household, um, yeah. went to, went to a few different churches growing up. Um, you know, I, I considered myself Christian, but at the same time, whenever there's an opportunity to be, to be baptized, you know, at different camps or things like that, I, um, there was always something there telling me, "No, that's not that's not, that's not quite right for you for some reason." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, went off to college and and started going to, attending a church plant there, and mm. you know, hearing hearing solid expositional preaching and and kind of hearing the gospel proclaimed in depth. And um, you know, it's hard for us to necessarily point to a, a time and place. Sure. Uh, where we were converted, but uh, I, I definitely experienced a change during that time, and right. and was baptized after that. And yeah, so. good. Was that a
0: Reformed Baptist church? Was it? It was. Yeah. Wow. Is that when you started getting into Reformed theology?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. It Was in college. Yeah. Okay.
0: Wow. So you prior to that you'd be sort of a kind of still Baptist, or uh, was that a more Arminian <laughs> yeah, thing? Yeah. I.
1: I. I I hadn't really studied much theology at all, um, right. kind of grew up in sort of a non-denominational community church, um, so I, I wouldn't wouldn't really know what I would call myself prior to that, um, just your kind of typical American evangelical.
0: Yeah, totally. All right, so you got into... Reformed Baptist theology, everything changed, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Well, it's good to know just a little bit of your story because, um, man, you're like the dark horse of the 1689 world. you like uh, I, I remember hearing about you. Um, Jim Renian used to come down to New Zealand sort of every year, and. Oh, okay. um, yeah, he just, um, I think it was probably actually, now that, now that I'm thinking about it, when uh, the 1689 federalism thing started to find its first light on the internet, um, and uh, maybe the website came into to, to being, and um, I asked Jim I asked who did that, uh, you know, because I know Jim's not going to do a website like that, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I know Jim doesn't know anyone that's, that, that's, that's going to do a website like that, and I think that's when he first mentioned your name. You did the website, you still okay. are involved with that, right? yes yeah that's great okay totally yeah how did tell us how that came about i mean how did you get connected with jim and you know that whole thing i mean obviously i want to go back in hear about your journey into 1699 federalism but um just even in terms of just getting to know the rainy hands and you know where, where did you sure. meet up with them
1: yeah so the uh, the church plan i mentioned i was in uh orange california down there in southern california so right uh, uh so jim ranahan was about uh, an hour hour and a half south in escondido right um And so I slowly got to become aware of certain people. Um, uh, IRBS had like a week long um, during their, their January term there, they had like a week long symbolics class. Right. Um, So I I went down and attended that and kind of got to know him a little bit there. And then we were also attending some of the, there's a Southern California Reformed Baptist Association. So I kind of got, got to know him just a little bit there. Um, And then uh, Richard Barcelos, um, Ended up moving back to the area as well, and I had uh, been part of an old uh, email or Baptist email discussion list uh, that he was on. So, uh, you know, he and I had discussed a variety of things, in, including covenant theology, going back a few years. So, hmm. um, so that's that's kind of the loose connection. And and I basically called him up and said, Hey, I want to I want to bring a camera over and ask you guys a few questions and put it up on a website. And right, that, cool. Uh, so it was actually your idea.
0: Uh, yes. Wow. So he didn't approach you to do it. I was under the impression that that's what happened.
1: No, I twisted his arm and... uh, brought him some brownies
0: and yeah because you it. know that actually makes more sense because jim's not the fan of tech man he just honestly like <laughs> just to get him to do anything on a kindle or a Logos or anything it's just it's just frustrating as <laughs> daylights to me you know and um yeah and so yeah that makes so much more sense all right so you approached him so th- <laughs> so were you like sort of getting all um you know fired up about the 1689 fed thing and then just basically saying hey we need to get this online or or how did that work for you
1: yeah, so it all started for me um, at the at the church I mentioned that I was attending. Uh, I started um, uh, teaching a, a weekly Bible study on Wednesdays through Genesis, mm-hmm. and uh, I realized you know Genesis twelve is coming up, Genesis fifteen, Genesis seventeen. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I, I guess it's time to start studying this thing called covenant theology. And um, so, long story short, that launched me into into a study of. The topic and the the conclusions that I was coming to um, from from my study of Scripture, um, I was kind of surprised when I started reading books on covenant theology because that's they kind of were coming from the Westminster bent. I didn't realize that's what covenant theology was. Right. That's that's not quite what I held, and so you know, was trying to learn as best I could. And and most of the most of the Baptist guys I were I was asking. Um, were giving me a very different answer from, from what I was finding. And right. long, long story short, kind of through that email list I mentioned, um, was pointed towards, towards Owen and some of these older guys and kind of realized that there was an older perspective here that that mm. people just weren't aware of. So, so at that um, time, sorry
0: to put in there, but um, at that time, no. so what Jim had um, put his um, um Adam to, uh, what was it? Adam to Christ by Nehemiah Cox and Owen. That, that had already come out?
1: That had... Um, I can't remember the time frame there. I, yes, it had already come out. But like before uh, Pascal's uh, book or... Yes, right. yes. Um, yeah, the, I think Pascal's book came out like very, very shortly before we did the website, I think. Right, okay, I see. So that was, that was down the track a little or, bit, yeah. I could be, yeah, I think... Anyways. Yeah. So I was pointed to that material. Yeah. And, uh, I, my, my motivation, the website was just to provide resources for people like myself who were trying to, trying to stumble through this and, and just, it, it was, it was very difficult trying to sort through the conflicting views that I was getting. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to create, um, a resource that provided, um, an explanation from one consistent perspective. Right. Uh, people could go and compare that with, with others if they wanted, but at least help them sort through the weeds and say, you know, here's a particular view. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my motivation wasn't primarily historical. Um, it mm. was, my motivation was for me trying to understand scripture. It's trying to and, get it. Yeah. Yeah. And when I realized that kind of the direction I was, I was going, uh, was, was where historically Baptist had, had wound up or had started. Um, that was just a great encouragement. It's pretty and, exciting. Yeah. So. And, and, and a good resource then to pull from and, and use, uh, for the website. So, yeah,
0: again, okay. interesting. Very good. And, um, you know, the, the whole thing, I mean, the, it seems like you're, well, actually, you know what? We I'm actually going to drop this episode. We're going to do two, if that's okay with you. Just kind of one extended conversation. But I'll drop this episode on Philosophy Friday. And um, and so I, I, I figured we'd do your story a little bit. And then also just kind of, I want to figure out where a reformed libertarian fits into this picture.
1: All right. A good <laughs> you know, it's a decent talk uh, it, yeah.
0: yeah philosophy Friday thing. Um so yeah, tell, tell us the timeline on that one.
1: When did you start getting into that? How did that all work? Um, I grew up in Idaho, so yeah. for those of you uh, not from the states, um, you know, Idaho is a, a very conservative, uh, libertarian-leaning place to grow up, uh, and so I, I had kind of that influence growing up. But then specifically in high school, my my economics teacher, uh, history teacher was a was a libertarian, so it kind of got us pointing that direction, and then right. went off to college and started studying it more and all my friends from high school did the same and so we we were kind of introduced to the whole libertarian thing there mm-hmm. um and so i was I was pretty interested in, in college um, but uh you know as I became a Christian and was introduced to reform theology that really took over my interest um, so it was was kind of put the the political philosophy on hold for a bit mm-hmm. um, was still pursuing it but you know I was really trying to pursue it biblically mm-hmm. and I was I was hitting some roadblocks there I just I was not finding answers um, mm. so so I just I just kind of put it aside and started studying theology more and and especially covenant theology um, mm-hmm. around the time that came up and I just kind of devoted all my attention to that um and so i was you know i i had put kind of the libertarian thing behind me and then um the the guy who actually started the Reform libertarian website cj um, had stumbled across my blog and saw that we had some similarities we're both reformed baptists both into libertarian stuff so he ah, sent me a cool. message and and we got talking and and uh long story short he just kind of poked and prodded me enough to get me interested again and mm. and uh the interesting thing is that this time around i had a more ro- a more robust biblical theology to draw from right uh i had that that covenant theology foundation to then start looking at uh political philosophy through a slightly different lens of, um I just had a better framework to yeah. ask the questions. Very cool. Hey, so maybe
0: let me stop you right there. I mean, give us a yeah, quick, yeah. Um, quick summary. What is libertarianism? What is reformed libertarianism? And maybe the big question there is, how, how do you feel that, that covenant theology has helped you?
1: Yeah, so libertarianism is, um, it's not a whole worldview. Right. It's very specifically just addressing one part of a worldview, and that is, um, what, is what is the just or morally acceptable use of force right right so so government at its basic level uh is force hmm. uh, and so you know that that's what separates separates it from any other organization hmm. is that it it uses force right and so the the question of political philosophy is what is just use of force the libertarian answer is what's known as the non-aggression principle mm-hmm so that's the that's the idea that no one uh, may initiate force or aggression against another individual. Hmm. Uh, so force is only justified in self-defense, mm-hmm. and then in retributive justice in response uh, to violence. Right. And so libertarianism would say that's not just applicable to you know what private citizens. Uh, that applies to everyone, right? And so that that applies to kings and rulers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's great. The, that's helpful. Yeah. So the you know, long story short, that's that's the, the scope of government is is very very narrowly in that category. Right. Uh, so reformed libertarianism, uh, the reformed modifies libertarianism not in the definition that I just gave, mm-hmm. but but in the the justification of that definition so how do we arrive at that how do we know that that is true Hmm. Uh, so you'll have other libertarians arriving at that conclusion from a from a different worldview so um ludwig von mises was was a utilitarian Mm uh uh, murray rothbard tried to answer from uh kind of a a rationalistic natural law right um Uh, devoid of scripture or or apart from scripture, but try to try to answer from a natural law, philosophical perspective. Mm -hmm. So you have, you have different ways at at trying to, um, of coming to that conclusion. So reform libertarianism, uh, would root that, that definition, that conclusion in scripture. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I
0: suppose that's where it comes in with the reform theology and the covenant stuff, right? That's, um,
1: (laughs) I can see this oozing out. I can see already how it's going to (laughs) be helpful. All right. Give it to us. Um, so yeah, I I started listening to a little bit of a podcast you did on two uh two kingdom doctrine. Um right. I, I only listened to the first five or ten minutes so far, but um similar similar basic idea. So um you know, the idea there is that God gave uh Adam and all men a law written on their hearts. Mm-hmm. Um and he gave them a reward of of possibly entering eternal life upon complete perfect obedience to that, and and that was uh, forfeited, right? Adam sinned and that was forfeited, mm-hmm. but the moral moral law remains; it, it remains binding, um, even as God is long suffering towards us, awaiting the final judgment. the The moral law continues to bind all people. Mm-hmm. Um, the the question there is. So as you start to wrestle with uh, some of the historic views, like the Westminster guys, um, they would argue at this point that that moral law uh, contains not just you shall not murder, you shall not uh, steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not uh, worship by <laughs> false idols, mm-hmm. but it also includes the punishment for that. Right. So um, putting idolaters to death that punishment itself is part of the moral law that applies for all time, mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of the the foil, I guess, against uh, which I was working. Mm. Um, you know, what's what's wrong with that view? And and you know, in line with your podcast here, I my conclusion was that their their basic mistake there is that uh, the Mosaic covenant was. Um, a covenant of grace, mm-hmm. and that uh, the nation of Israel was basically—they um, would divide it into church and state. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting a little long-winded here, but no, no, good. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, they would say the church part of Israel applies to the church today, and the state part of Israel applies to the state today, mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of wiggle room on the degree of punishment. Right. Um, and theonomists today kind of have the. They're slightly different, but they have a similar approach. Sure. Yeah. Um, and part of part of the problem there at root is that um, the theonomists today see punishment as part of every covenant, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Westminster guys, their problem was they saw punishment as as part of the moral law, mm-hmm. uh, the, the curses. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at that from from sixteen eighty nine federalism perspective, which sees the Mosaic covenant as a typological covenant of works mm-hmm. for, for life in the land, so not for eternal life, but simply regulating the temporal blessings in Israel, mm-hmm. w- what you see is that those uh, those punishments, those death penalties are specifically called out as curses. Yeah, And so we would see that as typological curses that were part of the Mosaic <clears throat> covenant, not simply part of the Mosaic law. Mm-hmm. so so the the, the idea that um, man should be punished by fellow man yeah. uh, with, with death for violating uh, the mo- the moral law that was actually a positive law yes right so the distinction between moral and positive mm-hmm. moral reflects God's nature and applies to all image bearers at all times mm-hmm. uh, positive law is something that God institutes for a specific time mm-hmm Circumcision was for a time, uh, baptism is for a time in a place, um, and so th- that, the death penalty in Israel was a positive law, and it, it was specifically uh, a covenant curse, according to uh, following the principle in Leviticus 18.5, right, the one who obeys my law shall mm-hmm. live, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning, meaning the one who doesn't shall die. Yeah. Um, and that's actually, interestingly, that's kind of how Augustine looked at it when he commented on Galatians 3 there. Um, right, 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 yeah. But um, so, so that gave me a, a, a lens through which to understand uh, these punishments in Israel and how they relate today. So they are typological mm-hmm. of the final judgment, mm-hmm. right? It's the punishment that we all deserve. Hmm. Uh, and it was manifested in Israel as, as a shadow of yeah. that final judgment. right. Um, but that's been done away, and and so the what we would when you get into political philosophy from a reform perspective, they talk a lot about general equity. Yes. So Westminster guys would say, well, the the general equity of these of these punishments for Israel was that some kind of punishment is is due, but we're at liberty to kind of decide the degree of punishment. Yeah. And so the general equity today would be that, you know, idolaters should at least be put in prison or whipped or whatever, if they're not put to death. Right. Um, so we would still hold to general equity as a, as a uh, interpretive principle, as a hermeneutic, yeah. um, but come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. So we, we would say, uh, so general equity just refers to the moral law behind um, that civil law in Israel. Right, right. Yeah. So, the principle. So, yeah. yeah. The principle. So, in those instances, the principle behind that is that everyone deserves death for right. those things. Yeah. And that in the, in the eschatological kingdom, it will not be tolerated and you'll be excluded from that. Mm-hmm. And so that finds out, that finds that, that's why Paul can apply Mosaic civil law. In First Corinthians five, to the context of the local gathered church. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He specifically quotes uh, Deuteronomy. Um, what is it, twenty two, twenty one, something? Sounds something about like right. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he says, uh, "Purge the evil from your midst." Mm, right. Mm. So in, in Israel, that meant put them to death. Yeah. Um, in any time in in the old covenant where you see um, uh, the soul shall be cut off mm-hmm. from his people, that doesn't mean. Uh, banishment it means put to death, mm-hmm. um, and so interestingly Paul takes that that civil law and he applies it to the church. Mm-hmm. So either he's confused and he's abusing the law and mixing categories, <laughs> or he's understanding some kind of typological connection there. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that gave me. That that covenant background gave me some tools to sort of start to navigate through these things. Yeah. Um, but then the question is, well, okay, so what is the standard then? You know, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. what you know by what standard to to ask uh, Bonson's question? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one one approach is to step back and look at the Noahic covenant. I know you talked about this a little bit in your in your previous podcast. Yes, yes. Um, so we would you know we would agree basically with the Kleinian approach there, I think he has a lot of good, good things to say there. Totally. Um, and he's, he was drawing a lot on on uh, Kuiper as well. Yeah. Um, and so w- we can look at Genesis 9 there, and there's a command that says, uh, you know, whoever murders someone <clears> throat> is throat> mm-hmm. to be put to death. Yeah. So because that occurs in the Noahic covenant, we know that it's not part of a typological covenant of works. Mm-hmm. And through you know, thorough study of the Noahic Covenant, we see that the Noahic Covenant is designed to apply to all men until Christ's return, mm-hmm. uh, both believers and unbelievers. So, so that must be a standard that applies today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's really a starting point there. And so you take that and then you can look at how that command uh, was carried out in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, Because after all, Israel was still, it was a typological covenant of words. It was typological of the kingdom of Christ. But but at the same time, it was also an earthly nation. Right. Um, And so when you look there, you actually do see um, those laws applied in slightly different ways from the death penalties that we talked about, um, Mm. where it's the principle of of an eye for an eye. Right. And um, the the things that are tied up in there are things like, you know, if somebody steals... Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to restore what they stole plus the right. same amount that they stole. So that's, that's eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the conclusion that I've come to at this point is, is that uh, that principle of Lex Talionis is mm-hmm. the Latin word there mm-hmm. uh, of an eye for an eye. That's the defining standard of retributive justice. Okay. And that applies to all, all nations today, all people today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but, but that's it. It's limited yes. to that. It's, it's limited to self-defense mm-hmm. and then it's limited to eye for an eye. So that, that means if we take the principle of an eye for an eye, you know, if somebody takes out your eye, they deserve to have their eye taken out. Somebody steals from you, they have to give it back and then mm-hmm. pay what they stole. If they murder somebody, they deserve to be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, now we get into questions of, of just, morality aside from violence mm-hmm. you know what about the the person who disobeys their parents mm-hmm. what, what does retributive justice look like there well did right. he did he use force or violence against his parents <laughs> yeah well if not then how can you justify using according to eye for an eye using force in response to that well yeah so yeah that's that's kind of um
0: yeah, we look at it there. Totally. That's that sounds great. Now give us the 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 web URL,
1: uh, URL for uh, that one. Is it reformlibertarian.com? Yep. com? that yep, that's good. It. Perfect. Yep. And we're working on on revamping the website so it's a little easier to uh access introductory material and FAQs and
0: Yeah, that would be stuff, good. Stuff like that, so. Totally. Yeah. just sort of using using people into it. That's great. Um and so you along with some other guys write for that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. The, uh, the primary contributors are myself and, and CJ Engel. Uh, we're both, right. uh, Reformed Baptist. Cool. Uh, and then once in a while there'll be some other material. Okay. Uh, from other people as well yeah that's so good
0: all right well hey uh hopefully if, if you're listening to this um uh that's that's interesting to you it's very interesting to me um and yeah brandon writes a whole lot for that which is still a bit of a mystery as to how he gets all that time but uh yeah he he uh puts out some great stuff so go check that out and uh that's reformed libertarian.com and then the other blog that you i mean you, you're still putting stuff out on this one as well right is it contrast.com is it or
1: uh, no, it's just one of the, uh, one of the cheap WordPress blogs. I started a long time ago, contrast to. Yeah. Somebody already had contrast. So I just, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, what Contrast2. was the, what was the idea WordPress. behind contrast is a name? Um, uh, the, the light shines in the darkness and, you know, um, uh, truth and error and just yeah, nice. kind of that, that biblical play of, cool. of, uh, sorting through stuff. You know, I, I just, my method of learning, I, I like to, compare and contrast views. So understand one view and that helps me understand another view. So excellent
0: yeah I mean okay so definitely go check that out um as well and um and there's a heap of good material one thing I love about that blog is just it interacts with all the guys I love as well I mean it's got clients, has got Gil it's got everything and um and so yeah that's for, it's just been great reading for me um and um I, I did want to yeah we'll close off with this one and um and pick it up with uh this would be philosophy Friday tomorrow is 1689 Saturday so that's uh where you fit in brother big time <laughs> and um, um but you know just a quick question i mean in terms of
1: sure. did you do seminary or or anything like that No um i just uh, a lot of a lot of gifted uh, teachers in the reformed baptist world have you know kind of made themselves available uh, mm. online and, and in other areas and i don't know i just um, you know received some good good direction mm. when i became a christian and kind of pointed me in the right direction and uh, been able to Follow the breadcrumbs of guys yeah. who know what they're talking about. Totally, yeah. And have you ever had thoughts of going into ministry or anything like that? Or uh, yes, I have. Um, you know, I, I considered it earlier, and I was kind of pursuing the film thing. It didn't didn't work together with that at the time. Um, yeah. And now it's it's uh, it's something that I would like to do at at some point. Mm. Um, mm. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Because I suppose that's the thing for me. I mean, you know. It's one thing to try and fit it all in, but I suppose at some point you just start, I mean, how do you feel? Just, I know that if I had to engage at, at the levels that you're engaging with things and then go into something else, I'd just go mad, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just can't do, I, my brain doesn't work like that. I have to, yeah. I have to just be yeah. broken, be a pastor or something, you know, and, um, yeah. and you know, let the, let the chips fall where they may. Do you feel the same or do you feel like you could handle a bivocational
1: thing long-term? Um, it depends on what kind of vocational. So that's kind of why I, I didn't pursue it earlier because I was trying to pursue filmmaking down in, L, in Hollywood area, and that yeah, just the divided interest there wouldn't wouldn't work for right. either one. Um, Got it. But you know where I'm at now, it's it's something I can do. Um, I, I I could pursue both, I think. Right. Okay. So awesome, cool. Well, hey,
0: let's uh, drop it there, and um, we'll pick it up tomorrow with 1689 Saturday. Thanks a million, Brandon.
1: No, oh, thank you.